This is David Poland, and this is the audio podcast version of DP30. And they did get blocked eventually. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, sorry. I just had to have some blood sugar. Sorry. It's blood sugar is my favorite thing. <laughs> Today on DP30, Ruth Nega talking about her film Passing. I'm going to be at my best now, David. I, you know, I'll, I'll take you however you are. <laughs> People at their best are good. People at their worst are, you know, at their worst. (laughs) Are you enjoying yourself? So you're in Rebecca's computer. Am I? I don't know whose computer I'm on. It's a a collective computer. Collective computer. Okay. So you're in a room. I'm in a room. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know where you are? I'm in New York. You're in New York. I'm in the Bowery. In the Bowery? Yeah. Lovely. I love it. Very historical neighborhood. It is. And you can walk there without being murdered now. It's great. Yeah. So you can. Yeah. I hear, I hear not so long ago. That wasn't really an option. It's kind of breathtaking how things have changed. I know. I I'm obsessed with the history of this place and it really is extraordinary. There's actually a kind of cool museum of the, um, about the tenements. Oh, I want to go. I'm going to look that up because I want to go because I'm fat. I love history. And you know what? I love old cities. And you know what? New York has a lot of ghosts and I want to meet them. There are a lot of ghosts. So do you explore? Or is that how you look at both cities? When you go to a new city, do you I walk. check out everything? Yeah, I just walk. Every, I walk. I walk and I walk. And I just, I, I, the, the, what does it, what's the word? Flaneur. Flaneuring around, you know, sort of. Just, you've got a few hours and you get lost. Mm. And that's how you- You found wonderful things that you never expected? Yeah, but the only problem is it's very hard to find them again. (laughs) (laughs) You know, my favorite are little bookshops, secondhand bookshops, you know, and you just, I just, I just, they're in like cities. They say, because you always find something unexpected. So I love that. I have a similar thing. I walked around Berlin one night. I'd never been in Berlin before. And I could hear like crunching under my feet. And it was like, almost like it was salt or something on, on the sidewalks. And I'm walking and I'm walking and I keep on hearing it. I keep on hearing it. I'm thinking, is this a thing they, is this have something to do with Nazi Germany? And they, you want to be able to be heard and not sneak up on people. And then I realized that it snowed the night before and they put out some ice. So it really had nothing to do with Nazi Germany, but oh. <laughs> fantasy of it. But your head went straight there to Crystal. Well, you know, I was a lonely place. It was a dark, cold night. <laughs> Yeah, Berlin's intense. That's some cold. Yeah. And there's some beautiful stuff. It just does also like, you're very conscious that something happened there. You're very conscious. Did you go up to the angel, you know, from the Vim Vendors film? I, yeah, went, went by it, unfortunately. I never went up to it. It's amazing up there. Is it? Yeah. Well, now I have something on my list to do the next time. Yes, do. I advise I it. Do. Um, so you've been, this movie has been part of your life for a pretty long time now. When did you guys actually shoot this thing? So we shot it two years ago. So that's, what are we now? 2019. We shot it in the fall of 2019. And actually two, three years before that is when Rebecca first brought it to me. Huh. Um, to gauge my interest, which was, of course, like, yeah, I'll do it now. When? <laughs> totally. Um, and so it took, it took, took a long time for her to get funding, you know, because... I mean, it, I mean, we, it could, you could say it's a very different landscape now, but, you know, 
we have to remember that this is only a few years ago that like I don't know it was quite clear that the idea of doing a film in black and white about centering two women of color people weren't jumping out of their seats to give us money was there a script when you were first when she first approached you yes because she had written the, when she she had been given the book and she read it and as soon as she finished put it down she she opened her computer and she banged out the script and since then 13 years ago she's been refining that and she'd already sort of storyboarded it and everything you know Rebecca was she it was just it was clear mm. it was clear this was a passion project deeply personal project and it just felt like she had a really a sort of a really sense a clarity of vision mm. which isn't unusual for rebecca because she's uh, you know she's a super intelligent super intuitive person you know and those and she really kind of does sort of she she integrates those two things superbly to me but like but this was definitely a sort of she's she you know when people think talk about artists when they talk about sort of seeing seeing it quite clearly i felt like it was it was visionary and she all she needed to do was kind of put it down on the page and then translate that to the screen you know what was in her head and it's extraordinary because what's in her head is is on the screen that's what you see and, and to me it's and what she does extraordinarily is she's she's She'd add, she's added dimensions to the original novel, which to me is a perfect novel and beautiful, but she's managed to add um, vis visual aspects that only enrich the, the narrative of the novel. And it's a very sensual novel. You can feel it and smell it and, and you know, hourly it's very stimulating. And she's managed to sort of coalesce all of that into something on the screen that is translates all that was on the page there. And, and I think that's extraordinary because if you're going to do it and adapt a novel or adapt anything, you, you, you know, it's, if it's going to be paint by numbers, then why, you know? Um, but this is, you know, this is sort of through the prism of Rebecca's experience, lived experience and artistic experience. They're kind of the same thing, aren't they? Um, this is given sort of, it's just really enriched this 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 novel, and to me, this novel was sort of made for the screen. And, and Rebecca says it again and again because we talked to myself and Tessa and Rebecca talked about this. We're just so shocked that this hasn't already been scripted for a film and filmed. You know, was there any question about which of the two you would play? So Rebecca initially, um, I think, approached me to play Irene. But, you know, since I'd read the book, I'd always kind of been besotted with Claire. Now, I love Irene as well. I'm intrigued by both these women, but there's something, I don't know, I was just always besotted by Claire and intrigued by her. I think my curiosity got the better of me because I, I needed to understand her. I needed to understand what made her tick. I needed to. And, I, and it's just fascination. You could say, like, as, 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 as deeply as Irene is fascinated by Claire, I was as fascinated by her in the same way, actually. This kind of elusive enigma mm -hmm. that is very much alive, you know, and very present. The most present 
kind of character I've actually read in a book. She's in the moment. And you know what? It's because she has to be. Because what she's sort of perhaps running from and or which is hinted at a, a seriously, you know, an underprivileged upbringing, mm-hmm. traumatic. And, uh, and the secret that she's hiding is that if she did dwell too much in the past or the future, you know, which is rocky, she's, she's playing a dangerous game here, you know. It's, passing was a secret for a reason, you know. It was physically dangerous. And so when those things, when, the, when those things are, when your life is that kind of in turmoil, you can only focus on the present present and it gives her a sort of effervescent quality that is really beguiling and attractive and when you think about the people that you are sort of beguiled by they do have a sort of very present sort of fizz to them and that's what I felt about Claire and that's sort of what I endeavored to sort of translate to this to the screen playing her it seems you're more naturally Irene in real life I would say I would say, do you know what? Now I would say I, I, I'm a mixture of the two. But sure, you can say anyone's a mixture of the two because anyone could be a mixture of anybody, really. You just take different bits and pieces. Um, but you don't seem, you seem like you are, um, it's hard to imagine you you creating that kind of self-illusion that one has to create to live in that bubble. No, but you see, I... But you see, I don't have to. Right. I don't live in the 1920s as a woman of color when my options are limited to really be myself. I think to be what we what we forget is to be authentic is a privilege in the world because because for some people, your authenticity is a threat. And certainly as a woman of color at that time, she was both a threat and threatened um, by just being herself. And so you know, whatever illusions she's creating are survival, you know, they're survival mechanisms. Um, But I I will say, like, I think I definitely don't like flirting with danger and disaster. Mm. I don't get a thrill out of that. And, and, you know, that's not how I get my kicks. And I think that's why I was attracted to Claire, because she does. (laughs) That to me is kind of subversive and thrilling you know and and as an actor you know the great privilege is you get to explore parts of you that you don't sort of aspects of the of human nature that you don't readily identify with you know and 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 that's that's the deep joy and thrill of it but but for claire you know claire claire does her damn best with very limited um resources and access well irene could really be of the moment of now I mean, they're in the within the community. The judgment of what other people are doing and the choices people are making—they're different choices, but they're—it's still very much a part of things. Um, but it sounds like from the from your youth and your because you're black, <laughs> um, growing up with that is was not as much a part of your life or not something you really had to spend a lot of time considering. What do you mean? The idea of passing or the idea of. No, I didn't even know it was a thing that people did. I, 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 I mean, no, I just wasn't aware of it. I think when I first encountered it, you know, through it was only through sort of 
American novels and being really interested in American history, especially American racial history, um, this phenomenon, uh, I was discovering this phenomenon and I was just deeply fascinated by it. I mean, the performance aspect, but, but how, like, I mean, race is such an integral part of this country's history and present and and it's it's so it vibrates throughout history you know and 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 it just seems so bonkers that someone couldn't it just made it just made such a mockery of 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 race and the one drop rule and identity and everything because you're thinking so hold on she's white enough to pass but if and she can have access and use that toilet and that fountain and the shop there but uh, but uh, but because if someone finds out that she's black then immediately that that access is denied and but she's the same person and you know when you when you really think about it and you and you delve into it it just makes a mockery of the whole thing and it really undermines the case for segregation for um racism for any sort of uh you know inequity because it just doesn't make sense and then you realize oh the only reason it it would make sense is for the status quo the people in power to hold on to that it's that's just that's what simply it is it's about power well there's still um, this weird bias that goes on about darker skin versus lighter skin that oh yeah still be an issue in a very real way for people well it is it's it's yeah colorism is it is a is is it the new race, is it? Is it the new race? You know, it's kind of taboo. Do we talk about it? How do we talk about it? What language do we use? I mean, it's sort of unconscious, you know, um, colorism and how like white adjacency, you know, and how how we've all internalized that and what degree have we internalized that to and how do we unlearn that? How do we collectively unlearn that? How do we collectively go on a journey to heal what it for me you start with illumination you know you start with talking about things bringing things out of the shadows into the light and you know obviously there's still resistance to that you know i mean everything you know that the whole thing about passing is it's is, is it's dependent on secrecy and it's dependent on complicity within the black community you know and so and that all of that is silence isn't it and kind of hiding and and any time there's silence and hiding and shame and all this, you just think there's something wrong here. Yeah. We've got to get to the root of this problem. Do you know what I mean? And um, and you know, Nella, this is this was published in the 1920s. This is this is nearly a hundred years ago. And this woman got it. This woman got it. And she pissed a lot of people off, I'd say. Well, the human the human issue of it doesn't really change. I mean, you hope that humanity gets better and, and more open and, and less judgmental about things that really aren't worth being judged. But it's amazing how, you know, 100 years later, the same issues, not just in this, but in all kinds of things, just continue to repeat over and over again for people. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we've sort of convinced ourselves, I don't know how and why, that everything is sort of happens in a linear fashion, you know? 
like history you can almost see it you know we have timelines you know and they move in this sort of linear fashion and we kind of assuming we've all kind of like assumed together this collective assuming that we're it's progress you know oh time marches on and so we we just we take it for granted that we progress and that's just bullshit you know cyclical is is that's just how the world works it is there are cycles you know and i think i think when we under, when we realize that i think that might help us with our sense with this uh, uh, complacency that sets in you know well we don't need to do well obviously it's 2021 now, so we're doing much better than that 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 and actually when you clearly look at it are we on everything really right. i think we need to sort of change our perspective do you know what i mean well it's hard every generation thinks it's new you know and, they're the first yeah. ones experiencing it yeah, <laughs> and that, they're really... going to be different they're not going to change like their parents changed and their parents before them and people do yeah. unfortunately I mean, it's mind blowing, isn't it? Maybe, maybe that's kind of a helpful thing, but I mean, every generation thinks they're the best. They're the one, we're the one that's going to crack us. We're going to change everything. It's not that there's a before and after and we're the, we're the catalyst for that. And you think, oh, every generation has thought that. Oh my gosh. And you know, unfortunately we can't bear it, but every generation, you know, I mean, we're going to end up as dust, you know, and, you know, Hamlet says we'll just end up like in a dust in a bunghole, <laughs> you know, the great Alexander ending up like just as dirt, essentially, you know, so that kind of um, keeps your feet in the ground a bit, doesn't it? So did you as a, I mean, as an actor coming up and you've been through the British theatre. Irish how, and British. Huh? Irish. Irish and British. British. How big is race been as much an issue to you along that road, or are you in a generation that has is more colorblind than before? As opposed to America or previous well, gener generations. Uh, well, now you've been had more experience with America, but it, I mean, is the, is well, well, I, think, I, I think, think the theater is more open than film and television has been. I, I, I wouldn't want to generalize so in such a in such sort of a big big way I, I, I just can't um I don't know I've not been in every rehearsal room I've not been in every casting making every casting decision you know I mean this is much bigger than one person's experience so I, I never really know how to answer that I'll just say that um I think complacency is dangerous we haven't reached any point which I think Okay, we all deserve a bit of a break now and a pat on the back. Or didn't we do well? I mean, that we're nowhere near that. But you know what we are doing? We're talking about it, so that's that's good. And that's we're not yes. we're we're not gaslighting um, marginalized people anymore. You know, well, I hope not. I mean, that's what we're we're working towards. You know, that this isn't the systematic discrimination is real. You know, racism is real. Misogyny is real. Gender discrimination is real. You know. Um, and 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 for so long they've been so casual and so quotidian and almost pedestrian that sometimes we need a jolt to remember that oh this is not the place we need or want to be you know and I think I think I think you know and I and I think you know films that address society and how we treat one another um, in very real ways, like 
like the novel and like Rebecca's film are, are crucial. They're just, to me, they're just, it's crucial. You know, I mean, you know, people, film isn't just, you know, frivolous escapism. It has a real effect on, on, on society. And, um, you know, I think, I think that it's also, it's also a documentary artifact of time, you know? Like, you know, if you look at film and art and, and literature, everything, it's a documentation of a, of a time, you know, and that's really important, but also now, you know, who got access to, 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 to sort of recording all that, you know, the privileged and who were the privileged, a certain minority. And, you know, I think now you're making up for lost time, you know, yeah. I hope. What's well, a challenge to do that? I mean, it, it's cause you, it, you still want to honor parts of it. And then you also want to make progress. And it's this weird, I mean, this is, I would think, one of the big conversations around the new West Side Story is, you know, there's clearly efforts to make steps forward. And in some ways they inhibit the art of the actual piece, for me at least. Um, but it's not, in, in some ways it's because they didn't go far enough in certain areas. It's almost like, it's almost like you to make these bigger leaps to just stop, you know, kowtowing to, your idea of uh, what is commercial or what is whatever, and just say what you're going to say. Yeah. Just half saying it is not really very effective, I don't think. No, and it's not memorable, is it? Right. <laughs> um, and, and I think, you know, we're all obsessed with legacy for, for good or not. Um, but I think, you know, I think it's our responsibility to, 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 to create a legacy that is as just as possible. And as as truthful as possible, you know, what makes me angry about, you know, I hate even mentioning it, Birth of a Nation is that, you know, it's heralded as this extraordinary, you know, breakthrough and film, and you think, but at what cost? So, you know, this is not something that one can speak generally about. I think I think it's all what it is. It's just about care and attention, isn't it? About what works and what doesn't work. I mean, there's so many, there's so many, um, there's so many creative artifacts that are that at the time were seen as revolutionary and radical, and now seem a bit like staid and actually a bit like regressive, you know. And 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 that's okay because in many ways ways they are bearing witness to that time and there's much we can learn from that you know and actually we need to sort of interrogate that because we need to build on that and go what what can we salvage and what do we need to leave behind yeah no there's a tendency that everybody wants everything to be forever and the truth is some things are just of their time and not meant to be current and they may still have value in their time you know olivier and othello still has a value but you don't want to see him doing it next week. No. It's just, it's a different animal. So, yes. so was doing a movie, I mean, this is essentially a, uh, a two-hander for a lot of it. Um, and the intimacy, obviously, with the director, the writer and director, is that an experience, is that a, a better kind of filmmaking experience for you? Is the more intimate, nah. more, more time just in kind of smaller engagements? More than, than, 
Than what? Sorry. Than being in a Marvel movie or being in a... I've never been in a Marvel movie. Have I been in a Marvel movie? In a TV show, I think. A TV show, not the movie, not the movie. There you go. Um... Yeah, no, I, uh, I don't know. I just tend to, no one, I don't really, mm, I, I suppose I just take ex every experience on its individual merit and. What, what do you take from I'm not very good at, I'm not very good at like sort of finding illumination through comparison all the time. Do you know what I mean? I just sort of, for me, I just am drawn to um, projects mm, because I, 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 you know, I'm feeling like we're vibrating on a similar creative level, you know, if that sounds like a bit wanky, so be it. Just that's how I work. I like, I, 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 I love people in that and I want to work. I also want to really want to enjoy my work, you know, mm -hmm. and, and great, great satisfaction and work with people who have a kindness and decency to them. First of all, I mean, I don't care about niceness. Niceness is what is that? What does it mean? But kindness and decency are very important to me, especially on a film set where you're dealing with, you know, your emotions. These are very like delicate things, you know, and they affect our mental health and our body and everything, you know, and our interactions with people. So, you know, there are it's delicate territory, and you have to be very careful, you know. Um, so. When you're done but also the work, the work itself has to be robust, you know, it has to be robust and and withstand interrogation and and poking at and, you know, and it has to give you something as well when you do that, you know, it has to be reciprocal, there has to be something meaty and unexpected and this mm, territory that is a bit scary, but ultimately super satisfying and rewarding you know and 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 i'm new immediately rebecca and this project and tessa you know and everybody on it you know andre alexander you know everybody uh marcy rogers you know costume like the producers you know forrest whitaker nina yang bon jovi margot hand like that you just knew that this was something I want. This was something I wanted to be a part of. And that's usually, it's in, in, intuitive, I think. My decisions are are, are, in, are are intuitive. And once you've had the journey and you've gone through the experience and, and created, do you move on to another family? Do you carry it with you much? Do you know, I do, I do. I didn't think I did, but it's only looking back that you think, Oh, that's why I was feeling very low. I just played Lavinia and Titus and Adronicus and, you know, she gets assaulted and her hands cut off and her tongue cut out, you know what I mean? You know, for weeks after I was so, so melancholy and, you know, it seems really stupid now, but you kind of think, yeah, it's just acting, but it's not, you know, I mean, I, 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 you know, there's a residue that playing these these parts leave with you. And, and and I think you have to be, you know, you have to be very careful, you know, and really have to mind yourself emotionally and physically and psychologically as an actor, because you 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 don't want to unravel because of the places that you've gone to with a character. But yes, they do stay with you, you know, like ha ha Hamlet still hasn't left me. <laughs> but, you know, I don't think that part ever does once you've you've played it because you're not really playing a part, what you're doing is you're sort of un unclothing yourself. 
you're, you're kind of you you're kind of bringing yourself fully naked to this to this to the language so it's you and the language sort of i don't know does this sort of exculpatory work that's very unique i don't know of any other part that does that that's but why every actor but you like that you want that like don't know but interested in need to know i don't know i uh, 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 i'm fascinated by the human condition i suppose that means my own human condition so um hmm you know haven't come to the end of that journey yet so yeah come back to me early <laughs> it's still just the beginning well thank you for your time and it's delightful to see you again every five years, I guess we're going to be seeing yeah, you. Yeah, every thank you very much. I was just going to say, gonna say that. But now there's a timeline. There you go. We can be on schedule. Reliable. <laughs> keep on checking in. Will do, David. Will thank do. you for the work, as always. Thank you so much. Thank you for a lovely um, discussion. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. Take thank care. You. Bye bye. Bye.